So you're a, a master at podcasts now, and I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. No, you do though. You got it. I mean, I'm looking around the setup. This is this is uh, <laughs> speaking of. There you go, Kyle. Yeah. See, look at this. Look what I'm doing. It's fucking pathetic. Oh my god. This concept's with pivot. You understand just how we living. This for me is like rap religion. Open on beat because we got this Skype. When it comes to this, y'all, I can get it hype. When it comes to this, y'all, calm has risen. How you living, huh? Yo, how you living, pivot? The, the, the funny thing, certainly for me, was like, I didn't really want to do a podcast because, as I'm sure you're seeing, it's not, it's not necessarily easy an easy thing to do. I mean, it's easy when you're sitting here, but you know, chasing down guests and all that kind of stuff after a while, like you always, I always tell people like, it's great, but even the most popular, like the Rolodex will run thin eventually. And it's, it can be hard, right? Who in your Rolodex, because you're, you love sports. Is there anyone in your Rolodex that the younger you would have gone? I can't believe I'm fucking texting so-and-so right now. Right. Well, Charles Oakley's coming on uh, oh my victory God. next week, and it's funny he's he's promoting a he's promoting a, a, a of, book. Of course, he is. So it's right, but it's an, an incoming call, and it's like, oh wow, Charles Oakley is calling. Yeah, there's there's a, there's been a few that these guys come in, and also too, you're I mean, so diplomatic. By the way, I love the way you just did that because. The reality is you could have just outed 116 people and you didn't say any names. And I love it. And he went for Charles Oakley. <laughs> Charles Oakley's good. But I think a lot of times it's it's a little surreal having, you know, uh, you know, DK Have you seen DK Metcalf? Have you ever seen this guy in person? He's enormous. I mean, he the fact that this guy is a wide receiver, it's it's hard to imagine. He's an absolute monster. Yeah. Are you okay? I put my water somewhere. Oh, here it is. Um Yeah, no, it's it's uh we've had some interesting We've had some interesting guests, but you know, for for Victory, for example, ironically, the the most popular ones are the the entourage guests, yeah. right? You know, I mean, yeah. you and Rex came on and and smashed it for Victory. It was know? so fun. And then Mike Tyson, I don't know, I don't know how Mike Tyson was zooming in on mushrooms. <laughs> it was a pretty surreal moment. It's definitely up there for me as one of the more surreal moments in the uh, brief history of. Well, ima imagine me, he somehow asked me to be his co-host right. and, and I'm not making it up when I say that he is peaking on mushrooms every single time. Right. And he calls it, you know, basically I want to macro dose a little bit. You know, do you want to have somebody throw me, throw me, throw me, throw me. And he just takes a handful of beautiful, pristine, white, frothy mushrooms, mushrooms and gobbles them down like they're candy and just starts peeking. Well, the funny thing about that, <laughs> I, you were to me the funniest part about that because he, he, Mike is doing Mike and like kind of the camera pans over and you seem to be the most comfortable. It was kind of an awkward interview. The one that I saw, Mike was grilling somebody with awkward questions and then like you were just kind of there with like a big smile on your face you didn't seem too worried about it i didn't seem too worried but you know looking back um i should have been on mushrooms right i know one thousand percent microdosed i'm a pussy <laughs> I, I i am on uh and and in this particular case like i just thought and this is a good segue into you i just thought i need to be the adult in the room right because he's peeking out of his mind um, and so if I can kind of hold it together, right. but I should have been on the same wavelength. I should have been out of Partial my mind. Microdosing as opposed to macro. Dosing. No. Yeah. <laughs> it started. I should have done something because, and you're absolutely right. But the, the great thing about Mike and one of the things that we all respond to is he's so authentic 
And he is exactly who he is. He's not pretending to be anyone else. He was, you know, arguably one of the, the greatest and most ferocious, you know, fighters of all time. And he's taking a, a very serious look at himself right. from every different angle. And he's very open and honest about his journey and being flawed and all these things. And so with each person, he's trying to get to who these people are. Right. Saquon Barkley could not have been more uncomfortable. I think that was the one that I saw. That Bro. was the one where you seemed to be, you did seem to be the adult in the room on that one. You just had a big smile on your face. You were enjoying it. You were enjoying the moment. Well, it was interesting. It was almost like the, the way you were with me in a scene where, where I ended up hugging you and said, you want to hug out, hug, hug it out? out. Right. And you were very uncomfortable. Right. That's the way he was for two hours. Right. I'm not a big hugger. Right. I know. And that's exactly why I did that. But that's where that, right. <laughs> because as the character, I looked at you and I thought, as Ari, how would I make this guy even more comfortable? And that would be by touching him at this right. moment. Like hugging, like, not right. even like, a, like, a, like a real tight hug, you know, who would have ever known that that would have become what it became? A catchphrase. Right. Um, yeah, who I mean that's that's one of the crazy things is it's like we were just on this little set, you know, doing our thing totally under the radar, not not getting ahead of ourselves, um not thinking how it would be received in any way yeah. shape or form. Well, hindsight is 2020, right? But at the time, what did we really know? I mean, to take it back a step further, it was like people will say, but we were doing a pilot. I've done 8,000 pilots. Right. I just knew because we were surrounded by Sex and the City and right. and The Sopranos and HBO at the time was the only game in town where you could swear and, you know, really do a show that's edgy. Uh, so I knew that and I know that I knew that Chris Albrecht wanted to be in bed with Mark Wahlberg. It's a very strange subject. It's a very strange sentence. <laughs> it's a different podcast. Yeah, it's a different. Podcast. That's a totally different <laughs> podcast, which would get much, much better numbers. Um, so I knew that. Listen, I, I think you and I had been in a bunch of stuff before that, you know, and we know that doing doing work that m might possibly be interesting isn't enough. Right. You need to be lucky. And I never had luck like that. And part of the variable is that they really want to be in business with Wahlberg. Right. You know what I mean? So we kind of got lucky. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hear you. I just... It was not before, like I think a year before that, I did a I did a pilot. It was called uh, Sam Circus. It was for CBS. It was a uh, everyone's War, seen it. It was a World War II, <laughs> it was a World War II pilot, and I and I'm whatever a dog will have a heart attack when I say this. It's the best pilot I've ever done. Wow! In terms of a pilot, it just was. It was cinematic. It was World War II, and this is coming on the heels of Band of Brothers. And I, when that didn't get picked up. I just said, listen, any of the logic is out the window of, well, CBS is looking for our drama, whatever it is. So for me, I didn't really put a lot of pressure on the on the pickup of Entourage. I was like, well, you know, case sera, sera, you, you do your best. And I, I honestly just trained myself to not be so, because you could get into that conversation. You could go down that rabbit hole where you're friend uh, who's an who's an assistant over at uh, this place and that place and like the rumor mill on the pilots is a joke i mean you know when that when that gets going so i i just it was nice for me it was a pleasant surprise y yes and yet i just felt like be also 
because of the subject and people's fascination with the backstage life of performers, I just knew that we had a shot. Right. And because we had so many, it was just, it's, it's interesting. You know, our first scene was at Koi and you were we, eating gallons of sushi at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And, and continue to until I got mercury poisoning. I, I just, you just literally, I was like, I can't, I can't. I mean, you, they said action and you, started eating i'm like he, he's, he can be able to keep this but what's takes can he do this on the sixth take we better we well, better lock this one down you it was early too it was early in the morning that's the funniest thing well it's it's funny because you you have to commit because of, of course, be, because right. of continuity and so i just knew this is the way the guy eats right i've got to dig in there's no other way to do it um and that in, in that particular one, it's interesting because we there were a lot of things said that we didn't stick to. It's almost like, you know, I but I kind of knew subconsciously I'm taking a victory lap with you and talking about asking me who I'm banging. I know. Isn't that funny? When you think about what Ari Gold really ended up standing for, how out of place was that? And also you had seven kids in the pile and then, the <laughs> and then you but, had two kids. So a lot but, of those things. But changed. all that stuff helped me because. He he was such a blowhard, and he talked such a big game, um, and yet was monogamous and, and and a great husband and all those things, and worked his ass off. But he was an equal opportunity offender, right. uh, for sure. And it's funny because I know you guys kick this around a little bit. Um, we don't have to go too too far into this, but it's like could. A group of white men walking slowly towards the camera on a billboard exist if it wasn't a documentary about storming the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> right. Proud Boys. A Proud Boys do you, documentary. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, no, I, it's, times have changed for sure. Yeah, man. I just, you know, I, I, I wonder. And, you know, we're just, we're just in these, we're in these fascinating times right yeah. now. Yeah. Would you have ever thought, I mean... Look, you've been doing obviously a bunch of you've done before you fifty movies before before Entourage. A lot. Did the did the um, immediate like sort of awards accolades and that came that happened seemingly overnight? Certainly from kind of my memory. Did that part of it catch you off guard at all? It totally did because we know what it's like to not be the popular vote, right? And I'd never been the popular vote and. Um, I grew up like you with a group of actors and your friends became Massively movie stars right. bef yeah. way before we were working. And so we both know what it's like to be, have people climb over you right. to get to Leo of in course. your case. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So like in a weird way, as, as I was thinking about talking to you today, I was thinking about our, we have very similar paths in terms of, of our friends. You know what I mean? And, and I never really thought about too much about the fact that we were really prepped for this subject. Right. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were times like I, I'd be lying if I said there were times where I would, would scratch my head and look at a storyline or something and go like, I don't know, are we hitting a little too close to home here? Uh, you know what? Uh, you know, I remember when, you know, when obviously when there was the storyline about, you know, Vince getting like, almost replaced and upper Aquaman too. And then there was like some forever version of a story like that with Toby where it's, you know, at times it can, you know, you wonder if it's, you know, it was, it was, it was close to, 
Did Close it, to home. Did anyone say to you, you we're going to do a little homage to Toby? It, what, it wasn't. No, it wasn't put. Obviously, it wasn't put to me that way. In fact, it was put sort of the opposite way. Like, it's just sort of inspired by kind of, you know, rumors or stories. Because who really knows that that real story, you know? So Right. But, it, but it's not like you would never go because, and, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but as journeyman actors, right. we're not going to go to the creator of a hit TV show and go, look, that's, that, that, that's my right. really close friend. And Vince getting passed over, Toby went through that. And I'd rather you don't do that. You would never do that. Right. Well, I mean, especially early on. I mean, the, the best example is the Vince Vaughn. I, I don't know, you know, on the pilot, you know, uh, Turtles, like, now oh, Kristen's, can we curse on here? Yeah. No, <laughs> Kristen's fucking Vince Vaughn. And I, you know, took a, some kind of a shot. I read the line as it was in the script, which is Vince Vaughn, uh, that I called him a puffy motherfucker or whatever. That's what the line was. And right. Now, this is the pilot. Uh, you, you know, again, I'm, I'm lucky to be there. I'm not about right. to walk back and say, hey, I'm not saying this joke. You know, like, I, you know, I, I think as you've got further down the road, it could be like, eh, maybe we should lay off this or that. But certainly in the pilot, I wasn't going to go back and look at, you know, Doug and Wahlberg. I'm not saying this line, you know, but, I, right. but I'd be lying. I'd get a little bit of the cold shoulder from, uh, from Vince for a minute there, you know, and maybe rightfully so. But because he is puffy. <laughs> well, I mean, because it was like a, just a, you could argue that it was a, just a just shot, a shot for being a. Bro, I'm puffy. You're puffy. We're all puffy. Puffy Combs is puffy. I mean, for the love of fucking God, Vince has got 116 problems. And that's the least of them. Listen to me. I'm going deeper. I'm digging a deeper hole for us. (laughs) After all these years, you you finally can look Vince Vaughn in the eyes. No, listen, I, I did old school with Vince and Vince is a fucking genius and we all love him. And I think one of the things is we've all learned to grow up right. and know that like we can't take take things personally in this life. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been watching TV and someone takes a shot at me and right. it's the most surreal, you know, you're alone and you're stoned and it's awkward. Right. You know what I mean? You're like, it, did I just hear that? I just had him why at my- say that? <laughs> right. I just had him at my house. <laughs> right, right. Why is he, literally that yeah. would happen to me, why is he taking a shot at me? Yep. It, and you said to me one time, I'll never forget it. You said to me, like, I've seen a lot, but you get more heat than anyone I've ever known. And you know them all. Yeah. Yeah. And you know me. Yeah. And so not with in this it'll sound like I'm talking shit, but you know me. And then you've seen what actually happens I've, as compared I, to what happens. Oh, I've said it for years. I'm like, yeah, it just really seemed to come after you for no real reason. Don't go anywhere. How You Live in J-Piv, and we'll be right back after we pay some bills. When you think of champagne, you automatically think of that classic tall flute to pour it in, right? But what you didn't know is the flute is not the best way to drink champagne. Now, most world-class sommeliers actually prefer the tulip glass. It's very close to the common white wine glass because it allows the bubbles to fully develop and release the aromas. It's mind-blowing, right? Well, I bet you never heard of Blida, which is basically an oversized shot glass used by the traditional winemakers of the Champagne region. Who knew? I didn't know. Well, just as you probably never considered a wine glass or Blida for Champagne, I bet you've also never heard of EPC Champagne. 
Now, EPC Champagne, this is the young French brand that is dusting off the aging image of Champagne and promoting ethics and sustainability over profits and quality over quantity. Finally, EPC is the fastest growing brand in Paris and is winning taste tests all over every competition across the globe. EPC not only offers innovative and contemporary drinking experience, it offers champagnes with complete transparency of production, something that is very rare with any champagne brand. EPC also understands the importance of health and responsible drinking, which is why all of their wines have low sugar content. It's lower than any of the other brands. And by the way, I just want to add that the lower the sugar, the lower the hangover. They're not claiming that, but I know that personally because I do a great deal of drinking. And I, anyway, I digress. They even have an award-winning sugar-free Blanc de Blanc. That's amazing. And don't miss out on their brand new rosé from Province. A rose bottle is absolutely beautiful and makes the perfect gift for any event. EPC will be available in the U.S. for the first time ever this year. But for the U.S. pre-launch, EPC offers to discover its wines before anyone else. Just follow EPC Champagne on Instagram and you could win their full range of champagnes and their brand new rosé. Just follow EPC Champagne and you could be the proud owner of these prestigious wines before anyone else. How cool is that? You can't lose. All you guys have to do, follow EPC Champagne on Instagram to enter. Let's get after it. I remember one story. The David Spade. You remember the David Spade story? Uh, like the... So we were maybe we were was it we were at Koi we were somewhere and and uh, there's oh Spade wanted to send uh, send over some bad sushi and you're like it looks like he somebody already sent him looks like he sent some to himself yeah it's <laughs> like well oh my goodness you know yeah but but I mean Spade is is one of those guys who uh, early on was making a living taking shots at people right. in a really you know, he was, he, you know, on SNL and whatnot. And so he and his crew are, that's what, that's they, what do. they do. That's what right. they do. They, they roast right. each other. Right. So that was, the irony is, you know me, I'm not even that guy. Right. I don't ever do, you know, so I, so, and, and, you know, it's funny because I just took shots at Vince because I, but. <laughs> um, Aside from the Vince stuff. Right. right. You know, but as we get older, you really. I mean, it's one of the great gifts that you have to learn, which is just like everyone's doing the best they can. Right. You know what I mean? They're going to take shots of you. Just don't even let it get to you. I, I would always feel like people would step, almost go out of their way to take a shot of you. It was not like, oh, you happen to be in my lane and I'm going to take a shot of you because I'm looking at you. At times it would feel like, wow, that person went out of their way you know that shot you, you know I'm, I'm glad you said that because again you we talked about it when it was like it was pretty early on i was like what is it now what's going on i'll give you the perfect example so we don't have to talk about this too much so right. everyone at home can go what the fuck are they, they talking, talking about, about so here here it is as a cast we're at the aspen comedy festival we're doing a q a we go out to dinner afterwards and, you know, there isn't a reservation for us. We have the entire cast of Entourage, as we're peaking as a show, walk in together to a restaurant and we there's no reservation. Okay, so we all walk into the bar. 
Imagine like the the cast of wh- whatever walking in together. At that you know moment, I mean? it was a it was entourage. a big thing. Of, yeah, like the entire entourage together eating dinner. So it was it, yeah. it was uh you know it was I think people were just awkward. Like right. what the fuck is going on? And we, we were there. No for, we something. were there for like an hour and a half or something. Something right. it was like it was it was weird. So we find we we got seated and had our dinner and we were, you know, HBO was looking after us and all that kind of stuff. Great time. The story, and I'm not making up this up. This, the sto- this is what the story ha- as it was reported that made it everywhere. I came in late with a large group of people, about 14 people, demanded a table, got the table, refused to pay, and threw DVDs of Entourage at the entire wait staff. That you tried to pay with DVDs and... um yeah, you you came in late without a reservation, and I, they might have even thrown a "Do you know who I am?" Which <laughs> you know you said, "Do you know who I am?" And then when the bill came, you tried to pay with entourage DVDs, which is really, if you wanted to look into that, it's ridiculous. Why would why would you have uh, extra entourage DVDs? On now, the, now, I, in all fairness, it, they were DVDs of my reel that I was throwing at people. <laughs> it's your no, reel. no, I mean, think think about this. So I'm so glad you. Get to I remember, yeah. So you get to see firsthand what happens, yeah, versus like what the spin is. Now, oh, yeah. I, here, here's my theory, and I could be wrong about it, but I think we all know Ari Golds, and they exist. And you know, one of them is Ari Emanuel, obviously right. that that the character is not loosely, but very specifically <laughs> right. based on. Um, and there is a perception about Hollywood players, right? And people in positions of power and, um, you know, there are a lot of them out there and we know what it's like to be around them. And suddenly, um, because these people don't know me, they know the character. And so it's. They want you to be that character. They want you to jump into character when you see them. Right. Oh, 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 for sure. And roast me. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, Call my wife a rusty cunt bucket. (laughs) Brother, we're in front of a Cinnabon. Yeah, I can't. can't um, yeah, that that happens all the time. But to our to the point of what we were talking about, I think that it's a character like that is a very easy target. Right. You, you, it's you know what I mean. You could take shots at him because he's the rich, white, powerful douchebag. Right. You know what I mean. So that that I was I wasn't pre- I wasn't prepared. To be vilified, right? Because there I am. I'm, you know, I'm not a kid. I'm right. 37 years old, and I've been under the radar my entire life. Made a bunch of movies, but just working, doing my thing, having fun. And then suddenly, the moment I become famous, the knives come out, and I was like, "Wow, that was fast." It did. Seem <laughs> I didn't have like 11 yeah. seconds to to enjoy enjoy it before they they, they dialed up the heat. Pretty quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and by the way, I'm not playing the victim. I'm just observing. And the good news about this entire journey is it used to really hurt me. Right. You know what I mean? Because to be misunderstood is not fun on a global level. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, but then you kind of, then you have to grow up. Right. Or go crazy. Right. right. <laughs> and, and growing up and evolving is more fun and how, healthier. How, how do you feel about it? as far removed as we are in terms of looking back on it, right? Um, the character, the the whole experience, right? I mean, does it, where, where does it land for you? Do you have any, any sort of 
problems or like I, to me like I, I always say to people i don't know it was such a unique experience and and also again we've also talked about this you know a lot of times you were holed up in the office with lloyd you know and we were able to be able to run around doing all doing all these things but i always say i don't understand how certainly from the actor standpoint could have walked away with a sour taste in their mouth about that job or what what an incredible experience it was listen you know, we had different experiences, um, and we talked a little bit about this on Victory. I remember during the movie having one of those rare times to like be in a scene with you guys where we're like walking and we, you know, break frame together. Because usually, yeah, you guys are on a Tuesday afternoon taking a Victory lap with yeah, Vince yeah, at right. a pool party right. or whatever or whatever, and I'm with the wife at therapy or yelling at Lloyd. Right. Um, so. I was with you guys and I was having a time in my life and we're talking sports and it's fucking amazing. And I wasn't tense and they yell action and I had no idea where I was. <laughs> yeah. And you guys can multitask and I can't. Right. And you guys would be like, fucking Eli Manning, what's the action? Well, is there any roles in there for me, Vince? And I'd be like, where the fuck am I? And so I would suck, but you guys had a way of and correct me if I'm wrong. Did no, you I, did you have a, yes? Of course, you had to work your ass off. But was it a lot of fun? It was. I, it, that's my point. I, 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 for me, it was a it was a blast. I, I, I always appreciated it. And and especially nowadays, when everything in Hollywood shoots somewhere else. I mean, I, I literally could truthfully put my car in neutral and roll to base camp. I didn't even have to put my car in gear. I could drive right down the hill. And every day, it's like, oh, we're at Earth Cafe tomorrow. And then the second part of the day, we're at the Roosevelt Pool. And, right? and, you know, and everyone gets along. Yeah. And, you know, for me and, and Doug, Ellen, the creator of Entourage, um, who, by the way, is having the time of his life. We, we, just, we just have to say. You want to talk about the onesies? We'll, we'll get into that. Have you seen the onesie look that he's going with right now? You know what? I check in once in a while. And to me, I'm just so happy for him. Yeah. Because this is, and you tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. It feels like he always wanted to be a part of the entourage and wanted to be, you know, because he was a comic and, and, and was doing this right. thing. And he wanted to be on camera. And now he does. And now he's on camera and he's, it looks like he's loving it. He's, he, honestly, he's in, he's in a great place, yeah. you know, and I, I, it's the best place I've seen him in. Yeah. I think, I think those, I think writing those scripts are, you know, writers, it's a tough gig, man. In the, the office, writing and constantly the pages out and then you're being judged. And, you know, it's like, I think, I think it, I think it wore on him, you know, eight years of like, delivering the scripts and all this sort of stuff. And now he kind of comes in, he has fun, you know, on the victory podcast, he, he runs the, it's like, yo, take us in, take us out. He drops the, he is like, he, he's like, it's found his calling. He's it really, feels, do, it, really good on the podcast. It feels like in a weird way, you've become E in the way that Absolutely. you're now the suit. <laughs> yeah. You're the one. And this may be too far. And if we, we don't have to talk, we can cut it out if you want, <laughs> but it feels like you have to wrangle Kevin Dillon AKA Johnny Drama to get to the fucking set. It feels like you're you're E now. Is that right? Or it's it's, it's straight well, what life imitating art and and it's it's super strange. And you know, it's funny, Doug and I joke around. I mean, like, you could argue that I'm Doug's boss. I'm not, of course, but 
with regard to the podcast, I, I, I kind of am. And yes, Kevin Dillon, the wrangling of Kevin Dillon is, I mean, it's pretty nuts. Like he, it's like, it's like, Kev, you've been talking, the traffic is the traffic, right? Like, oh, yeah, traffic, it's going to take me. You've been battling that traffic for years. I know you did as well. For those of us, again, that are going, what are you talking about? Jeremy and Kevin would commute from Malibu. And we all know there's one road in, one road out, one, one, one flat tire or a fender bender. And you're sitting there. I mean, that's a hell of a commute. Yeah, it is. Does it does it feel in a weird way that like that you are the adult in the room and you've kind of become E in that way? You know, because everyone misunderstood it, E and like it, like yes. they were calling him as one of the suits. It's weird to it's and you kind of become it, that guy. Yeah, it, it kind of become it, and it, it, almost like it's funny we joke with the Murphy Group that can had one client but yeah. that's sort of what it is in the sense <clears throat> i started this company and now i have employees and now you know now you have investors and now you have operating officers now you have all these moving parts and it's it's a real <clears throat> business so in that sense yeah i i feel a little bit like I, I feel the most like e that i've ever felt <laughs> more so than when i was doing the show because i was you know just acting so it's yeah. uh that's amazing it's wild don't go anywhere how you live in j pivot will be right back after we pay some bills so you know what's really interesting um i i smoke cigars all the time and and everyone if they're in a picture or whatever someone says hey man where'd you get those and uh you know i tell them and you know what my favorite cigars are and then i just thought you know what i because i'm very particular about my cigars what is the best way to find a cigar that is really right for me that I love that has everything that I want? I really I want to I want an easy draw. There's some cigars and I won't name any names, Cohiba, um, that are rolled. They're the best in the world, but they're rolled really tightly and it's it's hard to pull off them. And so I want like a really easy draw. I want that rich layered flavor. Listen, I went to the, the good people at Illusione. Dion over there is the man. He's a master blender and um, he worked with me and he's patient and I'm a little bitch. I kept saying, listen, man, I want, you know what I mean? A little more of the coffee flavor. You know what I'm saying? Can we get some layers here an easier draw, whatever? And here we are, the JPIV Robusto. I, I've, I never thought it would happen. I'm living the dream. Listen, luxuriescigarclub.com is where you can order them. Uh, Illusioni makes them. They make them for me. It was a collaboration. I'm going to smoke one right now. If you guys send your review of the JPIV Robusto, I will send you a free stick and we shall raise one up together. I, I It's the least I can do. You guys send me a review and let me know what you guys think. I really want to know. And the great thing about the internet is they're brutal. So I'm going to get it, you know, hey, be careful what you wish for. I look forward to it. I, I believe in these. Jay Piver Busto. Thanks, you guys. Did you guys know that EPC Champagne is rated in the top 1% of wines in the world on Vivino, the Vivino app, okay? Comparatively, let me give you a little perspective. The rest of the French Champagnes with similar ratings are listed for hundreds of dollars compared to EPC, which costs merely a fraction of that amount. You can do the math on that. Great Champagne, 
for a fraction of the cost. Count me in. Here's something else I think is really cool. EPC offers customized bottle etchings so you can put on your own logo. I'm going to put a little JPIV on there or how you live in JPIV. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to start drinking. That's another problem that we don't have enough time for right now. Here's the deal. <laughs> Just imagine how cool you could feel popping your own personalized bottle this summer at the pool, your beach party with your friends, your birthday party, whatever. Giving that special little someone the perfect gift on the perfect day, just a little day drinking, I'll see you there. EPC will be available in the US for the first time ever, you guys. But the US pre-launch, EPC offers you to discover its wines before anyone else. Just follow EPC Champagne on Instagram and you could win their full range of champagnes and their brand new rosé. Just follow EPC Champagne and you could be the proud owner of these prestigious wines before anyone else. How cool is that? You can't lose. All you guys have to do, follow EPC Champagne on Instagram to enter. Let's get after it. You know, as you're talking, I just had like flashbacks on moments that um, I can totally relate to because, and I don't know how much you've talked about this, but you flat out broke your leg in the middle of filming the movie. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I don't know if you fully know this story, <clears throat> but I was on a first date and telling someone that story and I was going like, Kevin, you know, is fucking trying to impress Russell Wilson with his fucking skills as a football player. It's like, brother, none of us are going to impress Russell Wilson. And then he breaks his fucking femur. Right. And then all of us, and, and she, and then I, it's revealed that she doesn't like actors or want to date actors. And I was like, why? And she goes, because there's too much drama. You guys are just too much drama. And I'm going, <laughs> I, you don't know me. I, I don't want any drama. I don't want, you talking shit about my boy? Oh boy, yeah. At that moment, I look up and there's a fucking red-faced dude who's going, you talking shit about my boy Connolly? The boxing trainer. And I go, what's he doing? I go, what, what's, what's going on right now? And he goes, you talking shit about Connolly? I go, no, he, and he goes, I heard you were saying that you were a fucking high school football <laughs> player. I fucking doubt it. Oh, and, and then we kept going, keep going. And then I said to him, was he eavesdropping on your entire conversation? Like clearly, he right? Seemed I mean, he seemed of, to know a lot of, he seemed about, what you were about, about everything right. I was talking about. And then he said, you're holding everyone up with your fucking contracts with the movie. And I said to him, you're speaking of things you know not of. Right. And all of a sudden in my mind, I'm like, I'm speaking in iambic pentameter. Right. I'm speaking Shakespeare to a guy who wants to kill me right, right now. It was just the most surreal moment. As it turns out, there's a group of people next to me who were Israeli, who recognized me. And, you know, it became this- No drama at all there, right? Yeah, I'm it sure just was, was the, like- Coming it, on the heels of how you don't deal with- It just got weirder right. and weirder and weirder. And so you- you broke your leg and then kept filming. Right. Well, but the funny the funny part about that story is yeah. that guy who was a trainer, that's what he was. He was a trainer. So I'd worked with him as a trainer. <clears throat> I don't know. I'd call him my boy. He's a little, he did some weird things, that being one of them. But um, he called, he calls, I guess, right after that, or whatever, that night. And he was like, yeah, Jeremy said uh, that you almost got the movie shut down trying to impress Russell Wilson. I go, Yeah. <laughs> pretty much exactly what happened i mean you know I, I, yeah of course we weren't listen by the way it was it was 
it was a bad thing that happened that day when I broke my leg. It was bad yeah. on a lot of different levels, right? A, yeah. the good news is I can tell you when it's going to rain forever. And that's a true story. Wow. That, that is real. That is real. I, I'm like, it's going to rain. Like you can feel the moisture. Like if a moisture comes to the air, I can feel it on my leg. So aside from the fact that it's a lingering injury, it happened, it happened on set. I knew it. I heard it. And, and I remember it was early. It was 1030 in the morning. And I think like, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, of course I, you don't, I don't feel, yeah. In short, yes, I was showing off in front of more than just Russell Wilson, but you got caught up in the moment. And especially since it's in a take, you really are dialing it up, you know? So, but, but yeah, and, I did. And, yeah. And the reason I even brought that up is because I did the exact same thing. And I know exactly, I just broke eight ribs on set, eight. Um, I'm been putting, there's nothing that much they can do about that, right? Take two Advil and try not to cough, right? So I mean, a whole lot you could do. Well, it was. But it happened on a, on a set that it happened. Yeah, I was in Slovakia filming my dream project that I've finally been putting together for years. And, um, and uh, you know, it probably was similar to your vibe where you're just throwing yourself in and you're not thinking about the reality of how vulnerable our bodies are. And you're just like, I will do anything for this take. Right. And all of a sudden- Russell I, Wilson's I, throwing me a pass. I'm right. going to get it. You're going to get we're it no gonna, matter what. We're going. Right. Right. And um, in, in my particular situation, uh, I'm getting beaten up and um, there's a great stunt man there for me. Um, same size as me, you know, um, every, you know, he's a professional. I think I'm Tom Cruise. Apparently I'm Tom Arnold. Right. You know what I mean? It was a fucking disaster. So I'm, I'm just throwing myself around just doing everything and anything to make it all work. And you know, from doing your own movies, you're like, you have the whole thing in your head. We got to get this done by a certain amount of time. And I'm just, I, I know I can do it. Yeah, and you're like, I don't want my double to do it. I want to do it. When, when the reality is, you know, it's it, it, it is a team effort, and you got to put your ego aside, and you just keep learning these lessons. And all of a sudden, I I'm up in the air, and I land on my fist, and I crack eight ribs, and oh, the pain, you know, it's it, it's it's a it's it's like no other because every time you take a breath, your ribs are poking into your lungs, yeah. and you can't take a breath. So anyway, um. I went to the oldest uh, hospital in Slovakia, which is very similar. State of the art. State of the art. Um, insane asylum, you know, pretty much. And they said, I was fine, go home. And my point is, I went back and shot two more days, uh, amped up on painkillers right. like you did. You know what I mean? And it's pretty surreal. Thank God I was wearing sunglasses. Thank God it was exterior and I had sunglasses on. But um, I did also, I'm, like, I'm not going to lie, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. Because it didn't come from, it came from the right place. I, mean, I don't fall off a bar stool. I was like trying to look good in the take playing football with Russell Wilson. Right. right. That said, I was 40 years old. It, that was the other silver lining was that that moment for me, I went, wow, you're 40. Your tackle football days are over unless you're Tom Brady and you do that till you're, till right. you're 86. Right. But I, it was a thing of, it wasn't that aggressive of a, of a play either like it just it just shouldn't have happened and it was embarrassing and and it's funny if you really look because you know that goes through insurance and we had the insurance claim but if you look at the if you look it's the most underwhelming video i, I don't know what i thought i was going to see my leg like just to take just 
you know it because when it ends, everybody gets up except me. And I'm laying there with my face in the dirt going, I broke my fucking leg. I literally said that. My yeah. fucking leg is broken. And everybody's looking at me. Tom Brady, Gronkowski, Edelman. Uh, the list goes on and on. Russell. And 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 people are like, is he hurt? Right? Like, uh, like every, everybody knew it looked good. So there I'm, I'm like trying to get up and like, limp it off and it was it was just it was it was so obvious man and yeah i was embarrassed because we're in a, a location that cost production 80 gazillion dollars 200 cameos were there people flew in from everywhere for those four days i knew that we had to shoot right I knew we had to shoot I mean, there's no way around it right those are the last four days that we could have canceled if that would have happened any other time could maybe shut down but i knew i just had to but yeah, you, but it was you, tough. but you went back in, as did I, and you. And I was you, trying to shake down crew members for painkillers. Nobody would give them up. I'm like, come on, bro. I know you're sitting on something there. Truthfully, the first thing I did was drink a beer. I'm like, I'm, I, I was in so much pain, and I was like, I knew when I took my shoe off. The first time I took that shoe off, I knew, and then sure enough, it just blew up. And then they were like on top of me, trying to like squeeze me into my shoes, and and I, so I worked. That day, two more days, and then and then on the last day, I, I tapped out. Stephen Fearberg, our DP, was like, okay, so we're going to go to lunch, and we're going to come back, and we're going to shoot the wide. And I said, I'm not coming back. <laughs> this is it. I can't. I'm, 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 this is me tapping out. I yeah. got to go to the hospital. I got to go to the hospital. And then I think there was a little bit of, a, not, a, not embarrassment. I think everybody then felt bad, because I think, I don't think people knew the extent of the injury or the extent of how much I was drinking to get through to get through the those days. But when it came back, I mean I broke my leg in three plate three different places. <clears throat> I think that then the guilt kind of switched. Everybody's like, fuck man, if we would have known you were we were that hurt, we would have <clears throat> it was a little bit of like ah walk it off <laughs> vibe. You know? You know there was one one there was one shot. You're in it too. It's funny when you watch the movie you can see it where I really for the most part I was stationary, but I had to probably just move i don't know six feet i had to hit a mark i had to come meet you yeah coming across i remember that and kevin dylan reached under and oh that's a first thing is they're like cut i'm like what's wrong like you look like you're limping i said no i am yeah Yeah, i'm limping because my leg is broken 27 different (laughs) places but kevin dylan actually had me by the belt to just take enough pressure off my leg where I could get to the mark, but it's still, it's, we got away with it, but it's, it's, it's dicey at, Listen, at best. Dylan broke his arm while we were filming playing basketball. So he knows. Same thing in a take. Yeah, man. You know, and it's interesting. You just kind of, as you get older, you just realize your limitations and go, it's a, uh, let me just take a beat here yep. and, and figure this out because I don't want to. That's sh- a tough sh- lesson to learn. Yeah. But it's funny. It's about a good that, lesson. That funny about that story is that when that guy called me, I was like, waiting for like the i was like waiting for like yeah and then and what yeah well that's what he said like well yeah he's right basically that's what that's what happened i was like this big build-up to this like story i don't and that was the punchline i was like got to agree with him on there yeah I, i was dialing it up a few notches for russell wilson and also everybody watching you know so Because remember that day, all those guys were there. Yeah, I I, I mean, listen, I mean, that's that's one of the many incredible things about Entourage is that like, uh, you know, we are all such huge sports fans and all of our heroes were showing up 
on a daily basis to, 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 you know, be a part of the show. And it was just kind of incredible. So I could see how you could get carried away. Yeah, man. It was, it was, like I said, the intention was not to like, all right, you know, I just, by the way, I was having fun. Yeah. When I should have been more conscious of the fact that, hey man, it's a big movie. A lot of people are employed here. This is, you have a responsibility. Was there was there ever a, a a cameo where you like literally like couldn't even speak or you like what the fuck I don't know how to even yeah it was that I honestly was that kind of that way with Tyson I, I could never really get to because maybe because he's so engaging yeah. I was afraid almost like to, to look at to like to stare at, at you know right. Tyson so I just you know I when I get starstruck I just get quiet right because I just it's just easier to but if you'll see like there's like group pictures with Tyson and I'm kind of like off to the side. You could just see my body riddled with anxiety, <laughs> which is, which is the, my other, my only regret about entourage that I, I always tell people. And that's such lightning in a bottle. Not that you would ever anticipate something that kind of unique to happen again, but I look back and so much of it was buried in anxiety. You know, I never really had a great time at the, that I should have had at the awards shows and all that because it's just one of those things. It's like, even like that one year I was nominated, I still didn't feel like I belonged there. Which, I mean, if ever you belong there, I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe not last year, <laughs> but this year when you're nominated, you belong there. But I just, yeah. I never, I never just like sat back and I just was, and now as I've gotten older, I have a better understanding of, of about my anxiety. And, and it's when you understand that it's not, not as scary, but that when that happens, you don't know what's happening to you. It's, it's a scary thing. You know, so it's, I look back, I'm like, man, I just wish I would have just like enjoyed it a little bit more. You yeah, know? but that's that's the whole thing. You're never really ready. Right. You know, and so all you can do is is continue to learn. Right. You know? And that's the other thing, and kind of like what you, what you touched on earlier, I was around, right, a lot because my friends, so it's like, I, I would know those, I knew those paparazzis that when they weren't taking pictures of me and then all of a sudden in what seeming for me felt like in a day right now that attention was on you and i just i don't i wasn't ready for it and that's where the anxiety just like, so it was well there's nothing natural about it right so it's not like you were experiencing things that were uh that were inappropriate right there's nothing natural about fame yeah, or or there's no way you ever could really prepare yourself for it. If anything, I might have had a better view of it than somebody else because I I've, I've seen it, you know, from start from its infancy to like my God, this person's really, really very very famous. And then and then and again, remember this is pre when really the internet and social media. Like I look at like some how how these kids navigate that. I don't know that I would have been built. Justin Bieber, like just everybody with the Instagram, just the way the pressure that these kids are under now. I don't, I don't know. I would have, I would have fared well there. Yeah. I mean that, and the fact that he's still going and it happened, you know, I think anytime someone's famous before they become a man or a woman, right. it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm amazed at how Leo has been able to evolve. Right. You know, my brother-in-law just wrote and directed him and don't That's look right. up. And so like my nieces are like, you know, at the house and, Leo's and had great in, things to say about Adam too. Yeah, he's the best. One of the most probably the most collaborative. Yeah, just great guy. Yeah, um, he's 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 one of the real ones. You right. know, he's a guy who 
he he made that movie not because he wants to be viewed a certain way um he cares about the environment right and he's in a position of power and he wrote a message that he wanted to get out and to do it is not easy to make it original and funny and insightful and not i mean come on man that's not easy like they had to go big right you had to take it a little bit broad or or if it would to me i was like i hope this movie doesn't come off kind of preaching it didn't to me anyway which is why it was just just kind of a fun movie to watch a fun movie with a message you know yeah and also I thought Leo was amazing, also considering that on paper you go, oh, okay, nerdy scientist. Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. This isn't a layup. Right. You know what I mean? And so I know they really worked together and and pulled it off, and it's genuinely funny, you know? It's wild what Netflix has become. So, you know, Netflix is the biggest movie studio in the history of the world, Netflix, which- And by the way, that movie, 160 yeah, million hours- it's watched so far it's like the number one yeah. of all you know and 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 when they want to push something they really know how to do, it. How to do it and they support their people yep. you know they they do and they're loyal you know um if they have someone like Chappelle who um they is, stood by him is you is utilizing his freedom of speech yep um I saw him in London and he said I'm bigger than squid game <laughs> I said yes you are sir <laughs> You know, yes, you are. The, <laughs> you know, the business has obviously changed so much when you think about it. You know, twenty years ago or whatever it was, if your agent called you and said, "Hey, Jeremy, I want you're going to be on this Netflix show," you they would be fired on the spot. And now it's like, why am I not on a Netflix show? Right? I mean, they there was something about that where you're like, wait, what? The Netflix? I mean, the guys that you rent? I'm confused. And now they are because what they do because they back there. They're artists and they're creators and they, they're properly funded. And you well, know, I'm they, sure you know Scott Stuber and some of those guys over there. Yeah. They've been in the game forever. Right. You know, and they've got great relationships with all different types of people. So they know how to navigate. And it's really, it's, it's completely working for them. And the idea that, you know, when they really want to be behind you, I mean, that movie came out on Christmas Eve. I know. I mean, I'm Jewish, so I don't have a lot to do on Christmas Eve. Let's right. be honest. You watched it on Christmas Eve, right? One thousand percent, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I mean, it, it, it's it's wild that you know, and and even without COVID, right? It's like, I mean, I would have that probably is a movie I would have seen in the theater, but yeah, you know, there's some things that I don't have to go see in the theater that I could watch at home on my 90 million inch TV, right? Like in a good sound system. Um, yeah, I'm into it. I'm into the streaming thing. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, and then you've got. Amazon, who you know, they've got unlimited funds. Un, quite literally, unlimited yeah, funds. Yeah, and and you know they are going to be competing right. on a on, you know, and there's a lot of great stuff coming out. You know, I mean, like that's that's a great home. Apple now, Apple Films, right? I mean, it's like there's there's lots of different lots of different avenues. So it's good. It's good for creators, good for actors, good for everybody. Are you a part of this indie movie that everyone's on your team is We're, doing? Yeah, we I am I am uh, I am a part I am a part of this this indie that we're doing. We're shooting it. That is it's it's amazing and I've never seen anyone tee it up the way Doug is every day. He's, 37 days to go. 30, I'm wearing a onesie. T minus Okay. T minus 37. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, well, that's the other thing too. Like, that's why I know he's in such a good place. I, I see him in his, his ones. I'm like, well, 
Yeah, I would, we joke around. It's like that scene from uh, Casino in the desert. I tell Doug, like, you know, I get calls every day. People thinking you went, <laughs> you in a onesie. People thinking you went bad shit. What's you know? Like, yeah. he's he's like, oh, Kevin, come on, it's performance. This is performance art. Like, he's joking around. Right. He just is. Seems to be really comfortable and uh, in a comfortable place where he is. He's he's happy, man. Are you curious about the uh, indie? The indie, the indie film. I, I, I am incredibly curious, and the great news about your journey is you will be documenting it. We will be documenting. So we will be all, all of we'll the be doing a companion podcast to go along with it. <laughs> that's what I'll do. I'll do a companion podcast for anything, right? Like that's always my, like you know, what, what, what would be a good idea. <laughs> what What was it that made you start your own company? Where Where you thought, you know, what I want to be, I want to be in. Because it, it's a great way to develop intellectual property. It's a great way to develop IP, right? Now, the talking heads part of it comes along and you start going, oh, wow, it does pretty well. It keeps the, keeps the lights on in a big way. But the idea was, you know, I now have ownership of a bunch of titles and properties that I can then go sell, try to sell as TV shows, which I've done a couple of times so far. Wow. Um, but that's really what was, was where it started. Because now, and, and also too, I mean, come on, like I, I always tell people this, you write a book, go, go drop that book off uh, at your agents and see how long it takes your agents to, to read your book, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like, yeah, I get to this, it's on the holiday read list, right? You know, so this is really a great way to, A, it's easy, it's easy to listen to, it's easy to, it's easy to, you know, take the content in and you can prove, you know, you can prove concept with it and you can prove, you know, hey, listen, this many people, millions of people downloaded it. This could be, those are all things that people look at, you know, if they want to try to take it. So I'll, I'll take a, a podcast and go, is it possible that this could live in another form? That's generally how I approach it. Why, why do you think people suddenly gravitated towards podcasts and long form? Interviews? Well, I mean, I think, I think it, it's, I mean, look at what Joe Rogan's done, right? I mean, Think about Joe Rogan is that most people don't realize Joe Rogan was talking to the wall for three years. Nobody was listening to him, but he realized, hey, I can sit here. I can say whatever I want. I can put it out myself. And I think there's a freedom in it, right? Where it's something you can do if you're smart and you really hustle, you can monetize it. And, 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 and anybody can do it almost to a fault, if I'm being totally honest, right? Yeah, it feels like everyone's going to get a podcast for the 16th birthday coming up. Right. Right. But um, I think that um, technology is moving at the speed of light and we're being overwhelmed by all of it. And we're, we're losing contact with each other and COVID and everyone's awkward and what's going on and keep your distance and put, pull your mask up. And we're, we're having a lot of moments. And I think, and I could be wrong, that we miss human contact and you know um people listen to you guys because it's like comfort food oh i miss those guys right i want to hear them i want to sit with them for a half hour an hour right. and i think that that's one of the reasons why podcasts are blowing up right i could be wrong yeah i mean you know i started actually january 8th 2020 we launched the company and at that point i think there was eight hundred thousand podcasts and now there's like well over two million Right. So uh, we talked a little bit about it. I mean, obviously you got a big high end set up here, but truthfully, you could go to Best Buy, you could buy a, a thing that you could clip into your iPhone. And if you're in your car or you're in a quiet space, right. 
<laughs> the audio is is incredible. It's a it's a, it's something that everybody can do. By the way, for those of you who can't see us right now. Um, he says a high end situation. I'm in a, basically a bedroom right, in my home. But you got the whole. You got monitors. You're bro. next to a bongo. Not everybody okay. has monitors. <laughs> Not everybody has monitors. You got cameras. You got lights, and you got monitors. And you got you got Kyle. You got like Kyle. Kyle. Thank God I got Kyle. 82 hours. If I didn't have Kyle, I would be fucking drawing a picture of you. <laughs> and uh, you know what I mean, like, bro, I wouldn't have anything. I'm a caveman. Right. Right. Oh no, man. I'm, I'm, that, even with even uh, like with the company, I'll, I'll be in the studio. Like, why? Why isn't this? I'm like, like, well, why don't you? Because I don't know how to. I don't know how to do that. But it. I feel like that should be easy. You know, it's uh, it's um, it's fun, man. And it's and it's going to a place where it's going to be easy to convert audio content to to the next form, whether it's a documentary, whatever it is. You know. So that's 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 really my my goal. And in the meantime, the the, the fun talking head podcasts are uh, they they pay they pay really well, you know. And the other funny thing too about podcasts is that, and it's it's a thing that can be humbling to people. And like anything else, it could have the reverse. Like your downloads are your downloads. Okay, it's not. Oh well, there you don't see what I do in the locker room, and there's no intangibles. Like, and I, I don't know what you want me to say, but. 214 people listened to your podcast last week. I, I'm not making that number up. I, it just it just is what I, it is. I, I, I appreciate the um, the reality uh, of them in terms of supply and demand. Right. What, you know, it, it, it's not what, you know, uh, what do you theorize about any of it? It's, you know, are people connecting, you know? And I, I listen, you guys know from kind of doing some live shows and I, I've been on the road for right. a few years now and it just feels incredible to be in front of a live audience who has been, you know, listening to the podcast and, and right. you know, they already, you know, I already connect with these people and it's kind of amazing you know, because you just do it in this little intimate setting, right? And you you talk with your friends and you you have fun, and, and suddenly it travels, and yeah. somehow people are listening. Yeah, so it's it's kind of amazing. But um, with you, I always felt like, um, and I was kind of a late bloomer to all of this. And listen, you know, we can edit this out if you want. But there, oh, that's like the seventh time, Jeremy said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take a, I'm gonna have to take a cut on this one. Uh, no spade jokes, no Vince Vaughn jokes. Okay. How You Live in J. Piven is a cast original podcast in association with Common Enemy. Producer is Kyle Tequila. Theme song by Common. To leave a message for Jeremy, go to speakpipe.com slash jpiven. Catch all new episodes of How You Live in J. Piven every Wednesday on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts.